welcome. It's Monday Night Generational Change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And we're not going to talk about other content shows nonstop no. because there's better and more important there things are. to talk about. However, uh, we just got a text from Chevron that he's having a family emergency. And so we're going to have to reschedule. Maybe. It happens. Yeah. I mean, look, who knows? I mean, he might be able to get on at some point, but right now he's dealing with something. So Bad that's connection, fine. go away. Bad connection, go away. Get stable, 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 stable. That's better. <laughs> I don't think it's going to listen. That's to not listening to me. I don't understand why that's happening. And I did reboot today. Yeah. So, um, but we're going to go ahead and talk about this AP African American or African studies course anyway, just because. Oh, why do we want to talk about that? Well, I, what I did was what I, what I wanted to do. Can't we just trust the governor has our best intentions? Yeah, not so much. So um, this, I wanted to compare what the concerns are right? Versus what the actual syllabus is. And let me be clear that there's probably no concern that would ever, in my opinion, trump the benefit of high school students learning. See what happens when we educate our audience. We, our audience. we have Double K who Thank you, comes Double in K. hot. So, so like this is a very, like to me, especially the fact that it's an AP course, it's not an elementary school course. This is an AP course. You only, truthfully, only bright kids are really able to take AP courses. Here's the, here's the and thing. so you're already dealing with kids that have an understanding and are able to learn things at a higher level. And the idea that you would deprive people of that is infuriating to me. Here, here's the thing that I don't understand. This is an elective. Like, this isn't required. To no, think. but they just don't want that out there. And it's, it's very obviously their basis of concerns are all complete bullshit. Um, and they're just, you know, look, they, they love doing this. It rallies their people. It gets them all hyped up. It, it, they yeah, because love who this. wants to talk about the fact that living in Florida cost wise for housing is just completely out of right. sight. Well, of that's I mean, that this is definitely poses a big distraction. So I pulled up there were six concerns in the syllabus. That's so for, debatable, Mario. That's debatable. Different ways, bad in different ways. So um, maybe message Jason and tell him see if we're having connection problems. Mm. Um, so th this is for people who don't know the AP African Studies course. It's a national course, right? Like it's not something that was just created in Florida. It's a national course, and there's a board. Um, uh, the college board that submits the syllabus for this course and states participate when they allow it as part of the curriculum for their students. And so this is a nationally agreed upon curriculum, right? It isn't just some guy that just wrote this stuff down and handed it over and said, hey, this is what we're teaching. OK, so there were six areas of concern. Now, the syllabus was really large. So the, the fact that there were only six areas, six areas of concern is actually a small amount, but it's very telling on the areas that they took issue with. So I'm going to just sort of go through these in no particular order. And I'm going to, as best I can, um, compare what they say the concern. And by they, I mean the group of people that are trying to prevent this from being taught. Um, the people in our legislature that are not going to accept this curriculum, those people. So the first topic is called intersectionality and activism. Okay. Intersectionality and activism. Now, according to this group, the concern is that intersectionality is foundational to CRT and ranks people based on their race, wealth, gender, and sexual orientation. So from the term intersectionality and activism, we somehow garnered that that's a way to rank people based on all of their attributes. However, I actually went and read the syllabus to compare what, so they're concerned that that's what that is. So actually, interestingly enough, according to this actual official syllabus, intersectionality and activism. This topic examines intersectionality as an analytical framework and its connection to Chicana and Asian American feminist thought. Students may explore texts from the writings of Kimberly Crenshaw, Patricia Hill Collins, or Angela Davis. Okay, so how they take that and translate it into that it is somehow creating this 
fake hierarchy of people based on race, gender, and wealth. I don't understand that. Um, I also don't understand what they're, well, I don't agree with the concept of what they refer to as critical race theory. So that's another one. The second issue is black queer studies. Now they have all sorts of issues with black. Well, first of all, they don't want black studies. They sure as hell don't want queer studies. So the idea of black queer studies is just way too far out there. Um, let us not forget that there is a decent sized population of students in these high schools that are black and queer. And it would be nice for people to actually be exposed to, you know, reality. Just just saying. But um, they really are just very averse to this in general. And it doesn't even give a specific concern. It just lists that whole category. So I don't know. I mean, I think that we can, you know, assume what their problem is with it. But we're going to look at it here. This topic explores the concept of the queer of color critique grounded in black feminism and intersectionality as a black studies lens that shifts sexuality studies toward racial analysis. Students may examine texts from writers such as, okay. But this, this really harps on this whole idea. I mean, I just really wanted to comment on that one particular yeah. area because it seems that there's, a, there's one thing that people I don't think are fully realizing here and why this is a very controversial topic, not because of our governor. This is a controversial topic because some of the most hardened Christian conservatives are black and they do not want this taught. They, you know, when you hear black mothers say, I didn't raise you to be gay, this is the whole in church indoctrination, Southern Methodist, Baptist churches. There's that definitely a Teach yeah. you that this kid. So when people wonder why there really isn't that much pushback on what the governor is doing. There is, but it's it's mostly white liberals. There's yeah. a reason why, because this is a cultural issue. It is. And so we often tell you guys, when people comment about the governor, especially from a distance, and they don't know what the hell they're talking about, it's that, yeah, he's going to do controversial things, but more often than not, what he's doing is not going in any way, shape or form hurt his chances of becoming the next president. He is on a war path to the White House and almost everything he does is calculated very precisely. Is this going to help him? Well, if the issue at bar here is to say, I don't think queer gender studies should be taught as part of African-American studies. I got to tell you, there's a lot of people are, that are going to agree with that. They just are. You don't have to like it. But we can't live in a bubble and there's too many people in politics. I want to live in. a Well, bubble. I, I look, this problem has been as oh, I don't ever remember a time in my life where there wasn't some group of people trying to ban some sort of information, whether it was record labels on albums when I was in school. Like there's always people wanting to ban us from having information. It first of all, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. The information is there. All it does is it really deprives kids at a time when they really need to be getting a lot of this. First of all, let me say that this, not at the AP level, mind you, this should just be a required course as far as I'm concerned. This should be a required course. It should be African, um, African-American studies. And uh, not obviously everybody can do it at the same level as AP, but nonetheless, it should be a required course. So the third thing that they don't like is movements for black lives. Go figure. They're not happy with the Black Lives Matter movement. They don't matter. So why make it? Matter? So this is what their concern is. Movement for black lives. So and I love how they call it movement for black lives instead of Black Lives Matter. So they're making it be broader than it actually is when that's not even a thing. There is no movement for black lives. It was Black Lives Matter. Or did they change their name to Movement for Black Lives? And I just had got that memo. No, I th again, it's just the wording of it that's supposed to be uh, distorted. It and is. People confused. They say it's an organization with stated objectives that include eliminating prisons and jails, ending pretrial detention, and concluding the war on Black, trans, queer, gender nonconforming, and intersex people. Yeah. Yeah, all of those things. Therefore, all of those things. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the fact that 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 perspective can't even be presented is to me, this this is screaming fascism to me. Right? Well, anytime we're preventing people from having information, it's to me, it's extremely scary. Well, no, I mean, to me, this is one of the reasons why I don't like this stuff, because it comes off as uber, you know, you know, woke liberal stuff. 
the way I would phrase it, if I was in control, I would just say we're teaching Marxist theory. They won't like that. Are you kidding me? No, you that's think that's going to go over no, better? No, what I'm saying is, is that just say that's what you're teaching. You're teaching Marxist theory and let them say you're not allowed to learn it. They will. That's part of the list. I haven't gotten to that yet. Ooh, I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, yeah. No, we I haven't gotten to that. Oh, please. We haven't gotten to that I'm yet. I'm sorry for jumping ahead. And, and then the next one and this. But let me look at what they say in terms of what the black movements. OK, movements and methods. Was that what it was? Movements and what was. I'm trying to see uh, movements for black lives. Okay. So actually what it's called is movements and methods, right? Isn't that right? Movements. What am I finding here? I'm all out of whack. I'm all out of whack. Hold on. Movements. No, not the black power movement. They didn't have a problem with that. It's oh, weird what they did have. Well, there it's weird. Like there are certain things that they cherry picked and it's, it's really, so it's 4.29 is the one that I'm looking for. Okay. I almost, I almost feel like the things that they pick are specifically ones that they know are going to go over the right way. And yeah, it's moments. all political theater. Okay. So here it yeah. is. Topic 4.29 uh, movements for black lives. This is the official syllabus for, that I'm reading. This topic explores the origins, mission, and global influence of the Black Lives Matter movement and the movement for Black lives. So that is a different thing. Students may examine a primary source text, photographs, or a secondary text from scholars, such as I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Um, but, okay, so it's basically studying that movement as a historical movement, as what happened in history, just like we would study the civil rights movement. Well, that was a huge movement after George Floyd. That was huge. Thank that you, was George one of the biggest Floyd. movements that, you know, that we've seen in, in decades, you know, so to not teach it is just ridiculous. They're not, this uh, syllabus does not say we're promoting the Black Lives Matter uh, agenda. It says we're teaching about it in its origins and what its mission and what its influence was. Yeah, that's called teaching history. Okay, so that's ridiculous. Then the next one. Oh, this one really, really pisses me off. So black feminist literary thought. Let's just eliminate the existence of black female literary writers and their shared experiences. So I guess this is their, a direct shot at Maya Angelou. And oh, all of that. Oh, they, okay. But here's what they specifically don't like. And they specifically call out bell hooks. Again, should that? be required reading. Bell Hooks is an, was a feminist, a black feminist author. I read her stuff, um, her book called uh, Ain't I a Woman, which is, you know, obviously taking off of the Sojourn of Truth speech, the, the title. But the Bell Hooks book that I read in college, it was one of those like life changing things like that should be required reading. And the, the fact that they're they don't even state what the concern is with black feminist literary thought is a topic, but they specifically call out bell hooks. It, 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 this is absurd. This is exactly the kind of stuff that I do want my high school, smart high school students reading. Is that for everybody who should be in African-American studies? No, maybe not. Maybe that is just an AP course, but not because they shouldn't learn it. But just because, you know, some stuff is complicated to understand. Bell Hooks is, you know, she was brilliant. So I'm just saying, I get that. What was, let's see, the next one we have issues with. The reparations movement. And it says, and this is why, this is why. All points and resources in the study advocate for reparations. There is no critical perspective or balancing opinion in this lesson. Well, let's see. Um, when... The Civil War was decided. It was decided that 40 acres and a mule was compensation just for families that were enslaved. Uh, they never got it. Nothing close to it. And they're still waiting. For and it. here's the thing, really. The only argument against reparations is we don't think that they're worthy of and value to give what they're due. Because you have a contract, you pay your due. That's how it works. You owe money, you pay your money. So to then not pay it is... Like, the, yeah, that shouldn't on, be. That's not wars, an option. Come on, we got wars to fund. Right. So here's what, what it actually is. The topic explores the case for reparations for the centuries-long enslavement and legal discrimination of African-Americans in the U.S. Students may examine House Bill H.R. 40 in a text by Ta-Nehisi Coates. And by the way, Ta-Nehisi Coates is pretty milquetoast in, if you were talking about, like, Black radical movement. Like, he's uh, not... He's some Fred Hampton stuff. <laughs> So they have they have a problem with with that. Um, but more importantly, and this is what 
sounds so ridiculous here. This is the one that really gets me. Okay, the final, the sixth topic of the AP African study, African-American studies thing that they, that in the last one is called topic 4.31, black study and black struggle in the 21st century. Okay, and notice they don't have a reason for their concern, but what they're saying is that the, that the argument that is made in the syllabus is that activism rather than the university system is the catalyst for social transformation. You know what? Their arguments are just bullshit. Basically, they just don't want us to learn that there is institutionalized racism. That's their problem with critical race theory in general, is instead of it being on the onus of individuals, whether they're racist or not, critical race theory suggests, you know, based on, I don't know, empirical evidence, that there is this institutionalized system of oppression, and it isn't based on individuals just being racist. And they don't want that concept taught. Um, and yeah, it's infuriating. It's infuriating. And again, these types of conversations end up happening for reasons that, as I would normally say, uh, it doesn't really make any difference whether you have an opinion about it or not. This is an elective course. You are not required to take it. This is a choice. If exactly. You take it. That's the thing. You can take it. And if this is what you want to learn, then this is what you can learn. It's, it's interesting that these are the same people that are constantly bitching about parents' rights. Well, if it's an elective course, you have the right for your kid to not take that course. Don't get me wrong. I have no doubt that the parents, like the Brenda Fams of the world, have a very heavy voice when oh. it comes to this type of thing. That's really what it's stemming I from. I know. There is sort of this sort of, this sort of suburban, uh, you know, affluent, and it isn't really whether it's conservative or liberal. It's just this idea, if anybody ha has ever been involved with the PTA or knows how some of these parents are in the more well-to-do and even affluent areas, they have very strong opinions about this. I have no doubt that a lot of it comes from regions like Jacksonville, which you know, DeSant Governor DeSantis once represented in Congress, that a lot of these parents in, let's say, Duval and St. John's County are very active in saying, we don't want any of this stuff taught in our classrooms. We want America the beautiful taught at all times. You're right, Metalopoly, and actually that's something Peter was just talking about earlier. You're not incorrect. And that's something that I think that is very hard for a lot of white liberal people to understand. This is something that was made very clear to me like a couple of years ago in terms of um, different communities and cultural things. And it is not just that because people are um, in the black community that they're automatically like liberal and or progressive or any of the above. It does not mean that. No. So they are, you know, you are, you have the same opinions in there and as you will in a lot of places. No, and, and, and before you got here, I, I had mentioned that, yeah. this is the, you know, particularly the, if there is a particular topic that I would say is going to draw the ire of a lot of parents that doesn't need to be in here, it's black queer studies. Like that specifically is going to piss some people off, especially in the black community who tend to lean very socially conservative. OK, give them that one. All right. But here's here's the thing. Movements for black lives. Come on. But they're teaching it as a historical perspective is that that happened. Well, it did. So we should learn it as part of sure. history. But what they seem to really get their panties in a bunch by certain words. By wording. They don't like the word intersectional. That somehow really bothers them. Like, I don't know if it's because they trans, you know, like conflate it with inner, you know, intersexual and they don't know what that is or they like, does it, I don't know what their deal is with the word intersectional, but if you are a human, you have multiple different aspects where we all are intersectional. We're all like whatever our gender, whatever our race, whatever, whatever it is, we all are, have different multiple things. Nobody is one thing. So the whole world is intersectional. I don't know why that bothers them. They think it's some like woke thing. No, no, it's just this sort of advanced thought process that thinks we should examine things in context of other things because it makes more sense to look at things within the systems that they reside. It's called science. People are going to learn what they're going to learn. You're not going to be able to stop, you know, this whole so-called indoctrination of people. That's not what this is. People have a right to think of other ideas. You can't control free thought. If you, if you think you can, and this is the great, this is the line, if you will, that is, I mean, to me, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. If you're a libertarian 
then this should piss you off like nobody's business because it's not, it's not based in reality. This idea that I can determine what you should and should not read or what you can and cannot learn. You have to agree with it, but this idea that you're going to ban it. I mean, it's not, it's nonsensical, but we all know why it's being done. There is a major conservative backlash happening in this country right now. And it's done on purpose because let's face it, so much of what the corporate left or corporate Dems want to do is basically put, let's say, the woke culture at the front line, the trans culture at the front line. And why is that? Because they are a microcosm of a microcosm of society and they know it's going to piss off a lot of people. And by focusing on that, which has nothing to do with your daily lives, you probably all don't even know a trans person, much less associate with them. But you're so damn concerned about what they do in their private lives that you make it this major circumstance of I have to stop what they're doing because I don't like it. Do, do you not see the issue here with civil liberties and li- letting people live? The in irony their lives? is that you see the left doing it for so other reason. Oh, of course. Right. It's both sides basically don't want to hear the other side and wants to basically shut up what they're saying. That's what it is on both sides. But the left is just infinitely more sanctimonious about it. Well, yes, that's true. You see, the right has a way of coming off in a not so offensive kind of way, whereas you have so many members of the, again, I don't call it the left. It is what it is. It's the liberal side of politics where it's this do as I say, not as I do type of attitude. So who cares? We got another troll in the chat. Thank you. No, but he's, it isn't just conservatives putting Man, it. They both cons- are. They all are. is really weak now. Well, there's uh, nothing I can do. And, you yeah. know, I'm, 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 an over middle-aged woman that does this just because I try to do it to be contributive. And I honestly do not want to spend my time researching tech. I Metopoly, just don't. I got to tell you, uh, it, it, this isn't a question of parents. Be, if this was required learning, you would be correct. This isn't required. This it's is an a choice. AP course for high school students. It's a choice. But honestly, I, I, but I do think that a lot of the material should be required. Well, I, 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 I don't, see it the same way. I'm just saying I totally understand if this was being forced, if if they were making it a required part of the curriculum, I would say, yeah, you know what? Parents have a right to say, I don't want my child to learn this. And they should have that choice. That's why it's an elective. It's it's a choice. You don't have to take it. Well, these are the same people that a lot of them that don't believe in things like choice. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. Choice is not something that they are really trying to tell. Well, again, this is like trying to tell people it's like how many people truly benefit from capitalism in the United States? What percentage of the population would you say truly benefit from capitalism? 10, 15 percent of the population like truly benefit from it. I would say that that's probably a fair number. It's probably somewhere in that range. And so for the other 75 to 80, 85 percent of the population that is that the capitalist system is failing. Well, I got news for you. They're going to look for other ways to, you know, fix it. Maybe have a different system. That's what people are going to want. Because there is no there's no there's no fail safe in, in the capitalist system that we currently have. We just don't have it. You know, over half the population is literally living on the poverty one. Now, one would say, well, they're not in poverty. It's like, yes, they they make enough to survive. But if for whatever reason they lost that job, they missed a paycheck, whatever, they're below the poverty line. But can I also suggest that maybe it isn't enough that people are able to survive? Like that maybe maybe when we talk about things like life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, it's beyond just survival. Maybe what we should expect as a civilization with resources is thriving instead of surviving. And so when we talk about, okay, well, they have enough to get by. If you want to actually look at what the true number is of people suffering in this country and you were to expand it to include people that struggle every day to just make ends meet, but they're getting by. So they don't necessarily, uh, are they're not houseless. They're not, you know, their kids aren't going without food, but people that live constantly worrying and stressing about money. 
I would argue that that's part of the problem as well, that those people, even though they might not be technically at a poverty line that we could count numerically, I would suggest that as a civilization and the richest one in the world, that we could do better than even counting, oh, they're okay, they're getting by, they're, they're, they ate this week, they're good. Like, really? That's the best we can expect in this country? I just think that's pathetic. And, I'm, and I don't like even using that cutoff point. Because I know very few people, very few people, like just regular people that aren't in some way struggling and worrying and stressing about money. Even people who live in the burbs who kind of have it going on. Trust me, they're worried, too. Yeah, everybody is to some extent. But like I have a really good friend. She is uh, she's an attorney. She chose a long time ago to not practice an attorney. Instead, she manages a law office so that she can work certain hours. And this is somebody who works really hard. And her husband is a full-time worker for Broward County. He does like education and water resources and all this stuff. And these are working people. There's working people, educated and working people. And their daughter um, recently had to have an ankle surgery. And so the deductible and stuff that they're having to come up with. And these are two working people that work, they own their home. They, they have, you know, their cars or whatever. And this deductible situation has really had to change things up for them for a few months. Like they're really like, this was a concern for them. Like is that how, and her only comment to me was that it's just unbelievable to her when she thinks about like, if it's hard for her in this much, and she wasn't complaining about it, by the way, like most people don't even get that. So my point is, is that we don't need to just be considering the people that are living impoverished as people that are suffering as a result of the system. It's a broader group than just the people that are living below the poverty line. So, yes, living constantly stressed about how you're going to live is not enjoying your life. That's not freedom, people. That's sort of slavery to the system. Yeah, it's it's a system that unfortunately keeps us divided and continuing to find reasons to not coalesce as needed. And that's the reason why something like banning AP African-American studies comes to the forefront. And again, one thing that Senator Jones had pointed out, which I think is one of the key points of this whole argument, is that there's AP studies for almost every other culture. But black culture gets the short end of the stick. If you think that's not politics, I don't know what is. And part of the reason why DeSantis can get away with it is because especially when it comes to black women, over 90 to 95% of them vote Democrat anyway. It's not like he's losing anybody by doing this. Everything is a political calculation with the government. He's winning people and not losing people because the people that hate it weren't supporting him ever anyway. There's nobody that would already support him that is going to be alienated by anything that he does. That's what makes it political masterminding, masterminding. Yeah. And then you have different topics of concern right now that a lot of people are worried about, and rightfully so. Do we have speeders in Florida? Oh, Mario. Let me tell you, I've driven in California. I've driven and I've driven here my whole life. California, yeah, the highways are always full of people and people go really fast on the highways, but for the most part, people are infinitely more considerate there than they are here. In California compared to here? Oh, yeah. South Florida is one of, honestly, and I People out west are much nicer in general. Well, let me, no, no, it's not just west. I've driven in Buffalo, like within the past couple of years, like I'm saying, like different places where I've driven, Midwest, I've driven in Spain. I've driven in all different places within the past few years. And I got to tell you, there is no place ruder than the people here. I know because I texted him. Sam's right. What did he say? Yeah, we only speed here. Yes. Oh, there is only one speed here. If the people from South Florida got together with the people from New Orleans, let me tell you something. I always said this to my kids. If the people from Florida and the people from New Orleans all had to like share a city for a day, we'd self-destruct in a minute because the people in New Orleans, they have this thing that they do there. It's weird. I don't know. Well, a lot of things about Louisiana are weird, but in New Orleans, it's very common that they, when they're sitting at a red light, they will start to go before their light is green. That's their level of confidence that everybody stops on the yellow in the other direction. So people in New Orleans will start to go at a red before it turns green, knowing that the other people are slowing down. And in Florida, people go through reds like it's going out of style. So if the Florida people in the New York, that would be a self-destructing situation. I'm just saying. Because I, I've noticed that driving style there twice when I, I've been there on two different occasions where I've made note of, yeah, they do that there. 
If anybody in here is a New Orleans person, let me know if I'm wrong, because I don't know. And Sam, good to see you. I was just telling Sam. So, guys, I'm going to be at the Miami Canadelic. Um, it's a big convention called Miami Canadelic this weekend. I think it goes... Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm only going to be there Friday and Saturday. And I get to be on Influencer Row, which is very fancy. Um, really, I was just looking for a way to be able to get in without having to like spend a lot of money on a ticket. And so this was it. So it looks really fun to me. And I'll probably do some live streams from there over the weekend just because meet interesting people and interview them. And um, I, I'm very curious. And by the way, even though nothing is recreationally legal here, I have no doubt that there will still be lots of assortments of goodies that will be available. Um, you know, there's the stuff that's in on front front of the table. And then there's the stuff that's in the back of the table and you just, you know, it's all the right people, but there is a 420 friendly lounge, which is really cool. You know, Canadelic. It's cannadelic. So it's cannabis and psychedelics. Um, and I've been really wanting to get my hands on another trippy bar. If anybody lives in a place that like uh, Oregon, you see, you have we're to, stuck. we're stuck. Wait, there you go. If, if you, anybody ever wants to send me a trippy bar, you do, but you got to make sure you send it in, Jen, the, in Sam the colder is, months. Sam wants to know if you could be your PA. If you actually, my, I have my friend coming down from Tampa that I'm going to bring in with me, but I think you could come too if you wanted to. Yeah. I don't see why not because they have me as an influencer and that I also have a podcast. So I don't see why not. I only get, I, we only get one pass to go to the speakers, but we, I don't think that anybody would care if people came into the, the floor with me. So you are definitely welcome to come, Sam. You would be way fun to hang out with. <laughs> Um, and also I'm expecting you to come to the fun party for the progressive caucus guys that's coming up February 11th. Um, and there's a lot of stuff going on right now with our democratic party, Peter. Yeah, we have a race for the state party chair. That went badly. Go figure. Michael Bloomberg putting in somebody in Florida's democratic party didn't go well. Shocking. Sorry, Lourdes, but Manny Diaz was terrible. Anyway, uh, we're <laughs> going to have that race and the election will take place in a month. I believe the election date is February 26th, if I remember correctly. It's a Saturday. <clears throat> so that Saturday, the last Saturday of the month, will be the election. Right now, there are four candidates who are currently in the race. Uh, unfortunately, like typical Florida politics, they are all coalescing in a very specific, almost like 50, 60-mile radius of one another. And, of course, our congresswoman had to jump in. As if she hasn't, look, she's the reason we had the last chair that went disastrously wrong. Why would anybody want her input on the new chair? Like, that's the thing. Now, granted, she's supporting Annette Tadeo, and I don't, I like Annette. She's nice. Like, I don't have, never had a problem with her. I don't think it would be anything really groundbreaking or shifting or different or anything would fundamentally change. But I don't have like a personal problem with that. But I would, I would prefer somebody more in tune with labor. I would prefer somebody that was just more along the lines of, you know, coming from organizing in a labor background, as opposed to uh, somebody who's a professional politician who just seems to perpetually be running for something. Listen, I liken that personally. I, I just think that it's when you personal. get right down to it, uh, what you really need is you need somebody, first of all, you need somebody who's in the labor movement. I there are two people who are running that are in the labor movement. Uh, the first person is Rick Hoy, who is our DEC chair here in Broward. And the other is Carolina Ampedita, who is the, who is the former head of the Florida State Progressive Caucus. They are both union members. One, uh, uh, both are in the SEIU. Uh, or for, one was in the SEIU, one is still in the SEIU. Agreed, Sam. Let uh -huh. me tell you, we're not going to, we, we're at, at this point to sit there and just, uh, we don't need to start unraveling that, but you're right. There's a lot of problems there. Um, yeah. And obviously we prefer somebody that comes from the labor community. So there are two potential choices that are people from the labor community that is, you know, in our best interest. And by our, I mean the collective hour in terms of there being any resistance in the state of Florida to any of the problems that people want to complain about. Like the, all these liberals want to complain about DeSantis, but they don't want to actually create a party that will fight him. 
They just want to complain about it. Like it's all, yes, we realize he's a problem. So why don't we collectively create some sort of actual resistance to that? So who is best suited to that? Somebody that's been basically running on the Democratic Party tickets for I don't know how many years for different races. I don't really think that's relevant. I think no, it is because about, no, it's, it's old not, school versus that, yes. somebody coming in and 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 changing things no, and I, making it different. No, I, I understand what you're saying. The problem here is you're talking about what what is the type of leader that is going to attract new people that want to come into the party. Uh, I, if it's too much of this, you know, it's not even that it's lovey-dovey. It's just this whole... Uh, it's clicky. Yeah, it's very clicky. Like that's, oh my God. The, you know, you, you need you need a tough person. That's what you need. You need a fighter. You need a person who actually knows how to talk the talk and walk the walk. My concern is when I look at somebody like Annette, and again, I like her. She's nice. I don't have a problem with her. I don't even really know what her policies are in a lot of cases. Um, she said some good. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, this isn't a problem I have with her. What concerns me is when I see somebody like Debbie getting involved in backing somebody for a position, what that says to me is at least in her mind, in Debbie's mind, or whoever else is like a power person that's playing this game, like it's like playing Stratego, they're thinking that she's somebody that they want sitting there that's going to serve them. And I feel like when I see people thinking that, that that's not incentive for me to support them. Because to me, I'm thinking, okay, if Debbie would want her there, then that's because she believes that she would best serve her. And I don't want somebody there that's going to serve the likes of people like Debbie. So I'm going to generally be inclined to support somebody that's not her candidate. Again, and it's not personal. I have no beef with Annette. But this also gets back to a bigger problem here, which is we've seen this game played before. This game was played before by members of the Progressive Caucus that decided that they were going to make backroom deals with Manny Diaz, thinking that they were getting some type of seat at the table they as a result. Nada. They got nothing. They got less than nothing. In fact, what they got was, ha, you really are dumber than we thought. That's basically what you got. And so now... Whoever is going to be making those backroom deals, let's say Annette really wants this position and remind you, ladies and gentlemen, when you're the head of the local county DEC, I don't even think you're paid. I think you're stipend. I think you're stipend for food and travel. But in terms of a salary, you don't get anything. Salary for the Florida State Democratic Party chairs, 125000 a year plus benefits and travel So expenses. point is, there is an incentive. There is. There is an incentive. It's a incentive. nice job. And let me tell you. Being a state senator up in Tallahassee, it only pays about forty to forty-five thousand dollars a year. Oh no, state so party is, chair is high. This is triple. This is good money. Yeah. So maybe that was the plan all along. You know, I right? don't know that. <laughs> I just think there's people that are just basically they're lifelong politicos. These are people that are politicians. That's what they do, and we just sort of recycle them in Florida. It's just and and the Democrats tend to not bring in as many new people. And this is a main complaint we've had from our new team member Jaden is about how he feels like. The party here is very doesn't actually want to have it doesn't want young yeah. people. It no. doesn't want new people. Well, it's not that they don't want young people. They will take young people. As long as you get in line. Yeah. Right. They like, don't want young part, people with new ideas. With all due respect. That. It's like if it's the Broward Young Dems type of thing. Well, yeah, but they're not. Then that's fine. Right. Because they, they fall in line. Broward, the non-corporate, you know, Gen Z progressives like a lot of the youth that volunteered on Jen's campaign. Our youth, on, our, our youth, people. Worked on Jen's campaign. Our they don't want any of the two youths. They don't <laughs> want any of them as part of this solution. No. Because it's not a solution to they, them. Well, basically, and that's that's really what it is. So yeah, they don't have a problem with the Gen Z people that are basically following in the footsteps of our current establishment party because that's what it is. And I'm not going to name names because it's not cool to do that. But there are definitely candidates that you see being kind of groomed by people that are party establishment people. And those are the kinds of candidates that, no, I'm not so big on that concept. I want to see people that are not being groomed by the people that I don't think are doing a good job. Like, why would I want somebody groomed by Debbie Wasserman Schultz to be in office? Well, the good news is, is that most of what Debbie touches turns to stone. That, you know, no pun intended, but like Medusa, oh. you know, turns to stone because it's just, it's just bad karma. It's bad. Very bad energy. It's bad energy. Very That's bad. why. And I got to tell you, if there's one thing I have heard from a lot of people over the years regarding Debbie is that anyone who is a spiritual person in any capacity always says, I feel very negative energy around that lady. And that really says something. I know you maybe some of you don't actually buy into that. 
at the end of the day, these are the types of politicos that we have to deal with. Who cares? I don't, but I think it's that same person. I'm sure it is. Who, Who cares? I don't. It's just funny. Anyone who supports Debbie Wasserman Schultz is not a person who I would take seriously. No, it's not a, it's not a serious person. also not a person that I would get go to for advice. And it's also a person who doesn't actually care about working people. Well, doesn't care about real policy or real issues or real change. You just care about keeping the status quo. I mean, yeah, to me, somebody that's a true supporter, like we meet people here and especially amongst older people where they support her out of loyalty because they always have and it's really based on history. And I have no disrespect for that in and of itself, but it's not like people love her for policy or like her because she's really, they don't, they defend her because there's a lot of people that attack her. So they'll defend her. Oh, well, she does this, this, but it's really a lot of it you'll find is like bare minimum um, and certainly not anything that would account for real public service. So it's just anybody who really likes that to me is just not a serious person. I, I, it's just silly. I think sometimes people need to ask themselves, why are they in politics in the first place? And very often the reason that they're in it are reasons that they believe are um, virtuous. But, you know, when you're presented with an opportunity that will pay you good and will put you in the good graces of heavy hitters and things like that. A lot of times people are just willing to look the other way and say, well, well, I'll I'll be different. No, you won't. You're not going to be different. The system makes sure that you're not different. The system makes sure that you get sucked. Well, you you can be different, but you won't be able to last. You can be different, but you'll you'll end up you'll you'll be out of this. The system will kick you out of it or you will be expelled from the system. The whole concept of what. Shama Sawant is trying to do with Workers Strike Back, which we've always maintained from the very beginning, was always the key ingredient to having any type of an outside movement. It had nothing to do with a third party. It had to do with rallying labor. The second that the Sunrise Movement, the second that our revolution, the second brand new Congress or Justice Democrats locked arms with the Democratic establishment, it's over. It's over. And you will never get it back. Why? Because there are people at the top who will eventually get their hooks in and think, if we do this little incremental change here and there, that that's going to make the difference. I keep saying, it's not that people like AOC and Cori Bush and Ayanna Presley and Rashida Tlaib and Raul Guevara, that they're not in there for the right reasons and that they're not fighting. The truth is, there is no outside movement. There isn't. They're yeah. not locking arms. The labor movement is nowhere near what people think it is. And the only reason why we're hearing so much about these Amazon labor unions, the Walmart, not Walmart, should be, uh, the Starbucks labor unions, the reason we're hearing about these things is because the labor movement in many ways is dead. And the reason it's dead is because of the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party. You can complain all you want. The Republicans can fight tooth and nail about destroying labor. But the only way it's allowed to happen is if the Democrats are in on it, too. And that's what they're in on. We have an all time low labor participation of union membership in the United States since the inception of labor in the 1800s at 10 percent. And let, let's the explain why that's important. Explain why that's so important, because all of those people that we named on the inside with all of the best intentions cannot get anything done unless there's an outside mandate that's being led by people in the streets that are forcing the hands of the people that are rejecting that progress, right? Like that's the, the only way that the people on the inside can get anything done is by to rally up the people on the outside. The people on the outside have to get in the streets. And so the people on the inside have a mandate to get shit done. That's how it's got to be. Those things have to both be happening together. So if you just keep electing people into that same system without creating a mandate on the outside of that system to force it, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not because it's too many. It will take too long to chip away one by one with each corporatist in Congress. You can't do it that way. You can't only wait for election cycles. So, yeah, it has to be an outside movement. That outside movement is only going to happen if we are in a circumstance. You're distracting me. I got to tell you, you really are. Well, I'm allowed to do it. I know you are, but you're basically, I know what you're doing. And I would ask you to please stop. Uh, If we're getting anywhere, it's only going to happen if we recognize that there needs to be an outside movement specifically catering to labor. If we're not doing that, then you can kiss it all goodbye because it's going to be for nothing. You will not have anyone on the inside who is actively going to fight because there isn't anybody that's going to be literally holding their feet to the fire. There are way too many people that feel the need to be coddling 
towards these representatives. They need to be held accountable and not the way that certain independent media content creators want to hold their feet to the fire. They don't do anything except bitch and complain to them. They're not actually out there actively rallying people to build a movement that basically says you are going to fight on our behalf. They don't do that. For them, their concern is how do we get more clicks? Can we shine can we shine them on, light them up, and get the material that we're looking for? For those of you who I am sure are aware of the interview that took place with a presidential candidate and a independent media channel that we will not name, no, I all I would ask you to do is go and watch the critique that Vosh gave for this particular uh, interview, which I thought was spot on because he hit every note where it needed to be hit. And why is that? Because one of the members let the cat out of the bag, saying the exact words, I got the material I need for clips. Well, Which obviously. means that the intention is not to actually solve any problems. No. The intention here is to continue to grow their channel. But I really don't want to talk about other content we're not creators. Gonna talk, we're not talking about But that. you are. No, okay. we're not. Okay. So there's going to be a rally in Washington, D.C. on... Uh, we love you, Double K. We really do. You're the, you really are the best. <laughs> the more trolling we get, I guess, the better off we'll be. It with helps the algorithm, but it's just funny. I know it's the same person. It's the same person. So uh, I, I would definitely say that for, you know, if you have a, if, if you're against the war in Ukraine, I'm against it because it should have ended it within a matter of weeks. But there's too much money to be made. I'm against it because I'm against it. Yeah. I'm listen, against the next war. Listen, I like Vosh, but Vosh has a different attitude. His attitude is give Ukraine whatever they want. Hey, you know, again, I don't have to agree with him on everything, no. but again, we don't. But need that's, to but, but my point is, if you're trying to stop this war, if you think that having a rally in D.C. to lead this effort in front of the Lincoln Memorial. When is that happening? February 19th. And who's leading it? What group? If. Am I allowed to say? Oh, no. It's, it's those people? It's... No, wait. They wouldn't be doing that. They'd be on the other side of that. No, you... you oh, never mind. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. So I'm not allowed to say anything. Oh, go say whatever you want. I don't care. I just don't like talking. I don't like giving recognition and cre credibility to people that I find do substandard work or stand for substandard or, you know, missions. There is not enough people I don't want to promote in it. the movement who do not call this out. There are not enough people who do not recognize that if you allow certain people to be the megaphone for certain movements, you will not succeed. You will fail because you are not having people with substantive reasoning behind why they're doing what they're doing other than the fact that they are there because it's a career. Metalopoly, those people are groups of content creators that I think have less than honorable intentions in what they're doing as content creators. And I think they tend to, they're, they're kind of bullyish and clickish. But so when I say those, it's like kind of, there's, there's, a, there's a few, there's some content creators that are just to me not on the level. Um, but that's when I'm referring to those people. It's Medea is one of maybe two or three people that are going to be part of this speaking rally. That's legit. That is legit. Medea is the shit. The other people that are there. So that's what I was saying. It could be a code pink thing. But, but, but. If it was, then that would make sense. But that's not what it is. Okay. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, because Medea, code pink is always the anti-war voice. Like, honest to God, can we just, could, uh, there's one person I have to name. Like, could, for okay, the love fine, of God, say. could we just, could you just stop acting like Jackson Hinkle knows anything or that he's actually relevant in any of these circles? I mean, he had his woman stolen from him from by Jonah Hill, of all people. I mean, that's pretty sad, right? No, but that's, that's just rude to say that. I just, it is what it, I'm just, just personal. It's stupid. No, he's a... Listen, don't do almost it. all of what he said. Don't do what? I just feel like you're going to like lump and categorize him as an entire person. Like make. No, I'm saying that okay. he's say, he's very he's you know, he's got a shtick. He sticks to a shtick. He says really ridiculous crap. But of course, it's all for clicks. It's all for money. And the fact that you think that he's the guy that should be leading an anti-war rally. 
that he's the person that should be speaking at that rally? You're not serious. But is, is it? But so I'm confused. Is it an anti-war rally or a support Ukraine rally? No, it's an anti-war rally. Okay, so then what is wrong with the anti-war rally? There is nothing wrong okay. with it. If you're having them be the speakers of the oh, event, though, that's not a good look. It definitely harms credibility. It definitely, and it also alienates a lot of people. That's the other side of it, is that I think it's inherently bad for the movement when you have disingenuous actors are in it because when people get turned off by that, they assume that those people are actually really part of a movement. And I'm not going to say his last name, but I'll give you guys a perfect example of the problem with Jimmy. You see, Jimmy will not show up to an event unless he's speaking. He doesn't have the self. Uh, That's what's like Debbie. Well, De <laughs> Debbie's even worse. Debbie but shows she, up for five minutes and talks, shakes hands. But again, shakes, she shakes, doesn't show walks. up unless she's speaking. Remember? If you truly care about the mission that it isn't for you to speak. You are not an anti-war activist. You are a podcaster. Medea Benjamin has been arrested. Medea Benjamin has been assaulted by our Congresswoman. Okay, Medea Benja Benjamin has been forcibly removed from places on multiple occasions, that's if not regularly. That's pretty freaking serious. She just recently got taken out of somewhere because she was talking about what was going on in Iran. That will, that if Medea Benjamin is the one who is basically the primary speaker of an anti-war rally in D.C. on February 19th, I would go there. That makes sense. I'd be there. You, you bring, said she is speaking? She is. Okay. You bring those other st scummy people into the mix, I ain't, be, I, ain't, I ain't down with that shit. It, but you know what? We had the same thing with the uh, Medicare for All. It's just sort of like there are people that are still willing, people like Medea, because they're so pure about the, what they're fighting for in their movement, that the, the truth is she'll stand on it wherever and talk about it because she's principled. I know you guys may not like her, but I got to tell you, if Kim Iverson is, is speaking, I'm cool with her. Yeah, Debbie did send the police. She sent the Capitol Police to Medea's well, house. Debbie, well, Debbie's a cat. <laughs> it's so funny because account. I know Debbie's not big, but Medea is like this teeny, literally, literally tiny. tiny. If, like, De it, if Debbie <laughs> can physically overpower one person on this planet, it's, it's Medea, Medea Benjamin. But it, it's just so interesting that she sent the police to her house. Yes. The Medea Benjamin, she probably weighs like 90 pounds soaking wet, peace activist. I know a lot of people are not big fans of his, and that's okay if you're not, because you don't like the direction he's taken. But you know who can speak to this and is speaking at the event is Max Blumenthal. If he wants to share his opinion about what's going on, that's fine. But Max is somebody who's put in so many hours of work and research and does the work. And the so it's like that's one of those people that regardless of whether or not I would agree on certain things. Sure. I have total respect for him. He puts in the Anya's, work. Anya's speaking as well. Yeah. So regardless of whether or not I necessarily agree. And here's the other thing yeah. is I would tend to defer to someone like him because of the amount of time he has spent on the ground in so many of these places. It's like, those are the people that actually have seen things and he's not in it for a grift. He's not. He doesn't need it. He doesn't. And I and I, I've, I've met him. I can assure you he is not like he actually is someone who cares about getting real information and, and these, putting, speaking truth to power. And these off rail are the type of people that should be speaking because they actually know the subject. They have actually yes. been over there. That's they have actually put themselves in harm's way. They are actual journalists. Correct. Let me tell you something. I don't agree with everything that Aaron Mate says, but let me tell you, when Jenk and Anna went after him on TYT, oh, we let him have it. It's like, you, you know, Anna with the middle finger. And I know, the, it's, it's like, you don't have to agree with him, but you have the audacity to basically say that Aaron Mate is a traitor to America. Like, are you nuts? He's he's one of those people that's speaking truth to power in, in the fight for human. He was the only person. Humankind. He, I mean, he nailed Russia. I mean, I always knew. I knew from the jump what Russiagate was. I knew it from day one. And you know how I knew it from day one? Because Wasserman Schultz opened her stupid mouth about it. And I said, oh, this is just cover. This I knew just because those things are always crimes. bullshit. They're always bullshit. They always have to create an enemy. They always have to. And again, I'm just, I still have never grasped fear of the Russians. Maybe it's because my family comes from Russia. Like my great grandmother's shawl that hangs in my house is this heirloom and it's from Russia. And I, they, I don't know. Maybe I just don't find them all that threatening. I don't see why we're threatened by if them. If there were people that were smart enough to know when to take a back seat, when to not make it about you, let me tell you something. If Jimmy, if Jackson, uh, if any of these guys just wanted to be there for the rally, 
Absolutely. But so they're speaking. Is but they're saying. speaking. So let them speak. If it's anti-war, it's good. And if it gets out an anti-war message, that's good. See, I don't, that doesn't bother me. And when you have somebody there like Medea, then it makes it legit. It makes it legit sure. just because that's code pink. So, I mean, not, I get it. You don't like all the people, but, you know. No, I, well, again, I think some of the content that they're pushing is just ridiculous. That might be, especially, but whatever. Well, not, not, I mean, but, but especially, there's something about Jackson that's just really unsettling. The thoughts of Peter and his opinions of Peter are his alone and not mine. Fair Let me put that out there on general purposes. I don't want to give that much mental energy to content creators. I really, I no, but I, well, again, but that's the problem with them just being content creators. I'll talk about Medea. If you want to have an anti-war rally, then it should be a code pink rally and it should be Medea leading the charge and whoever, you know, the Max, Anya, Aaron, people like that. That's fine. The second you bring in people that are clearly doing this for a career, you lose credibility. Okay, but then here's the upside to them is the audience that they bring to something that someone like Medea might not. Medea is not somebody that that many people might know about. She's an actual warrior. It's sort of like, I remember thinking that about people like Ray McGovern. Okay. It's one of those people that have been fighting the fight forever, but it's not a name that the mass majority of people that are follow content creators are going to recognize and necessarily show up for. So if you're going to use names to get people on an issue, that I'm good with. This is actually them using their name to promote something that is an anti-war sentiment. And so to me, that's a positive thing. Doesn't mean I have to agree with them on everything. But can we at least not be pro-war? Because that's the biggest problem we have. If there is one thing that I will say that most of them do agree on is that war is bullshit. Jimmy says it all the time, and I agree. Yeah. It is. And anyone who is just trying to be contrarian because they don't like him, that's a problem. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, but it's like if he's going to go out there and be bringing attention to an anti-war thing, then good. I'm ju I just question. First of all, I question the motives because I do think that there's always something to it. Of course. If you're just I would rather them just be there to support the rally and actually videotape it. But people say, well, might not come as much if they're not people like that that are speaking. See, this is. This is the catch 22 of it. And I get what you're saying, but I think you're being, you're being a little too critical about this. And I would be a, a person to be critical about them. And they are having whatever their motives are, whatever their motives are, but I don't care if he's bringing however many eyes to this issue at that moment. I don't care what he gets out of it. It's still that many. Eyes. Like I don't need people's motives to be pure. I don't, I know what mine are and I'm good, but I don't need to know what everybody's motives are. I mean, people that work with us, I mean, if you're going to work with us, then yeah. But I, I don't need to be judging everybody else what they do. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll reserve judgment. Let's see what they do. Yes. Because uh, obviously, if this is about an anti-war, you know, ending the war in Ukraine, which should be happening. And I saw somebody who follows us on social media uh, make a post today. It is a some liberals truly don't get not just how insufferable they are, but how privileged they are. Like they really don't get. What, somebody not, came on our post. No, somebody post? just made a post today. Just oh. I'm not going to say who okay. it is, but just somebody who thinks very highly of themselves. Let's put it that way. That's a, a very privileged white boy in the Jersey suburbs who grew up in privilege. Let's put it that way. Okay. And so his attitude is, I don't think Ukraine should have to concede any territory to Russia. And if they don't, it's blah, blah, blah. And the war should go on and go on. And I almost feel like telling him, Okay, are you ready to fight? Because that's what's coming soon enough. Do you want to go over there and fight? No, you're too much of a pussy to actually fight. You're too much of a coward to actually fight. So you're the type of person who will send others to go over there and fight because that's who people like you are. You're just cowards. You're sanctimonious, trying to project strength cowards. But in reality, you're just weak. I, I liked what the point Mario is making, and I think that is important. That because is a great Especially point. for people like Metalopoly and some of our more conservative friends that might not know these distinctions, it is important. Code Pink is not the same as the people marching in the street with the vagina hats. That's not the same thing. Code Definitely Pink, not. Code Pink is an anti-war movement, and it's oh, that's its that's its mission, and it was, existed before the pussy hats. So that's where we are anyway. Hey, I think that's an well, it is an important distinction, and I think that's especially important for people that are turned off by that movement of, of people that are, are the people that you were just talking about that are very privileged, that just have, you know, 
I don't, I think when you affiliate people with that, that it's a turnoff. So I think it is important to make these distinctions. And so we'll see what ultimately ends up happening there. Uh, but it's obviously, you know, it's coming up in uh, two and a half weeks. Uh, it's a big deal. It's on a, what is it on Thursday? Uh, no, it's, um, it's on a Sunday. That's an interesting day of the week to do a rally like that. Uh, but I hope they get a lot of people. I do. When is on the 26th? No, no, 19th. The 19th. Yeah. Okay. Well, you see, Metalopoly, this is where we will disagree. He's not a CIA spook. No. It's a little too extreme. He's not. He's just a guy. He's a guy. He's a really smart guy. He took a lot of philosophy courses, likes gaming. You know. He's talked to a lot of people. Very chill. Yeah. Just he's not. He's not, there's no vast Vosh conspiracy. There's just, there's no there there. So with that said, it's been a nice stream. It's a short stream tonight. What are we, what do we have coming up? Wednesday, we have Mark Savant, fellow content creator. Somebody who's going to try to help us build our channel up, which would be lovely. Uh, We will obviously reschedule with Senator Jones. Um, It was a, like I said, family situation. Family emergency. Take take care of this evening. It happens. Uh, So yeah, so we will obviously look to reschedule uh, very soon. Uh, because obviously he'll have a lot to say regarding uh, certainly the topics we were discussing earlier regarding uh, the intersectionality within the black community and what they find appropriate and not. And again, Chevron is a black gay man. And, and the first like Florida. openly black gay man. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think the first openly gay legislator in, in Florida. Sam, I do not know what that is. You're going to have to educate me. So I will have to learn. Yeah, I think he might be the first um, openly gay legislator in Florida. I think you might be right about that. Yeah. Um, and again, and I'm not Michelle, big on that kind of thing, uh, yeah. but that is a big deal. Well, it is. And then, that in is that a big community, deal. it is. It is. In, in Tallahassee? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. Yeah. In California, no. In California, it'd be, you know, no, it'd be like, you know, but Tallahassee. Florida. It's a big deal. It's, it's a big, big deal. deal. So. so what do we have coming up? I just after Okay. But we have other things coming up after that. Guys, there's going to be, if you're local, we're having our Progressive Caucus Valentine's Bash. Yes. Um, on February 11th. And if Don't, you... you what? Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and anybody who's interested, reach out if you're local and you would like to... It's, it's going to be really fun. There's going to be a lot of people there. Um, Maxwell Frost is... Um, coming to speak. Nina, I think is going to be via telecast. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll just be, it'll be a really cool party and it's at a really cool person's house. It's at, um, a really awesome labor organizer's house. That is, was actually a house that she bought to be able to host events like this at it. Should ask her about the, uh, state chair race. Oh, I'm sure she has. Um, well, I know who she picks. Yeah. She picks who we pick. Yeah. So that is coming up. And then, uh, Friday, the cannibal, Canadelic. I will be down at Canadelic Miami. It's at the Miami airport. It, um, if you guys do decide to go and you do use code um, generational change, um, you get a discount. Could saying. be a big deal. And then uh, do we have anything scheduled for next Monday? Or I don't know. What's next Monday? Uh, I'm all off. When, no, go to February 6th or nope, 8th. Not, oh, 8th? Maybe. Nope. All right, so we don't have anything scheduled. We have yet. nothing for you people. Yeah, we'll work but on. But we it. do have an. I want to give a shout out to. We have a new Patreon. Yeah, two new, or is it two? Or just well, two? Nevin had. We already. I mean, I already did that. Nevin He's not suck. brand new. Yes, and we also have a new Patreon. What is what happening? Is, you oh. don't know what you're doing. Okay, open that. Okay. No, you got to go into folders. Go into folders. Okay. That's what I'm saying. You, yeah. There you go. Our ten dollar Patreon. Yes. Danny so, Windham. Danny Windham, thanks for joining really our Patreon. You, you will be getting your oh, and here's what we're going to show you guys. For so, the ten dollar Patreon. Wait a second. See, Mansion Parliamentarian bumper sticker. You guys support them. They're the real deal. Can you take that thing off? Sure, I can. That would be nice. I don't like that. Yeah. So yeah, guys, these are the two people that should be on our 2024 ticket. That's who the Democrats need to run. The people with the real power in the party. Okay. It's not Joe. It's not Pete. It's not Kamala. It's these guys right here. Manchin and whoever she is, parliamentarian. That's who we need in the White House. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. If you are so inclined, go to patreon.com forward slash generational change. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a supporter of our channel. And so, and to Nevin and Danny, yours will be forthcoming shortly. And of course, as we mentioned, the $10 subscribers 
will get the Mansion Palmentarian bumper sticker. And, and the, you also get the Lulu sticker. Lulu sticker. But if you're feeling extra generous, $25 a month Patreon. patrons get the Tri-Blend Awesome t-shirt. It's really rocking awesome. And we would certainly appreciate that support. But if you are so inclined to contribute but really don't want to give up your credit card information on a regular basis, you can go to Cash App. And that is a place where people feel a lot more comfortable. I think we've done pretty well in Cash App. So that would be great if you guys can go there. Cash App, dollar sign, Gen Change. Any amount helps. This is what allows us to continue to grow our channel, to continue to contribute to events like cannibalism. <laughs> Canadel? Canadelic. Canadelic. Well, we didn't, we're not contributing any money to them. I got in as an influencer. So I'm, that's. Jen's the, influencing. I'm influencing. Big you time. have to give them the links to all your social media and they like check you out to see if you like qualify as an influencer. They obviously don't have extremely high qualifications number wise because we're not like that big, but. You're kind of a big deal. No, I don't think it's that. I think it's they just probably want everybody as they as many people as they can promoting it and coming in there and posting from there. And so they want to. Why would you not? It's fair. You know, I just think they're probably very open yeah. with what is an influencer is what I'm saying. We'll keep, I, pl we'll keep plugging along. We've got a I, I'm, I'm a very busy guy these days, but we will schedule some new wonderful guests, some returning guests, I'm sure. We will see how that goes. Uh, it looks like. Uh, Myself, at least, possibly both, depending on the day and what is on the topic of discussion. We may be uh, more uh, consistently on uh, status quo with Jordan Charitons. We're having, we're cross-pollinating. Cross-pollination. And if you guys haven't seen Jordan Charitons' big live stream over the weekend, if you want to catch yours truly, check out the first Saturday live stream. The Senator from Vermont had a lot to say. And then, of course, I was on there talking to Jordan about a lot of the reasons why uh, the type of uh, news stories that need to be covered or not being covered, but should be. Very important stuff. And thank you for liking this vid. Really means a lot. Make sure you're subscribed, click the bell, do all those wonderful things. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you, especially Double K. Your contributions really Very make a difference on the show. Yeah. And you guys are great. Plus, even, it's nice that I just feel like there's somebody who likes me yeah. when there's so many haters. You know what I mean? Even, like, even Metalopoly likes you. I know. So well, no. Well, that's not, he's, yeah. Thank you so much. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.